0: Good morning, Christ community. It is great to see y'all here this morning. It is a great day to be together. Um, If you're new to Christ community in the last eight years, you won't know who we are. You'll see my kids running around here, but you won't know us because we were here in 2005, 2006, 2007, and into 2008. So it was about, about a two or three year span there that we were involved with Christ community. We're still involved with Christ community because we pray for you. I know what's happening and we pray for y'all as a family, We pray for, I pray for you specifically for Keith. He and I go back more than 20 years, more than 20 years, back in the 80s. And, um, and so it's great to be here today um, to come and share with y'all and to be a part of this great service. Jeff, the band is awesome, awesome band, awesome band, awesome band. And it's, it's just a privilege and honor to be here with y'all this morning. Um, I'm going to share some things with you from my heart, some things that that I've been looking at differently from the disciples' point of view. And I wanted us to get together, and I just wanted to share with you, very simply, something I call how to play follow the leader. Something I call how do you play follow the leader, okay? So I want to share this with you simply. I just want to just want to share from my heart some things that that have been rocking my world, looking at things differently than I've ever looked at them before, um, deeper than I've ever looked at them before, but simply, okay? Before we get started, I I want to have a prayer, and I want to to pray for God's blessings on all the things we're doing today. Let's bow our heads together. Father, it is an honor to be here together, such an honor. Thank you, God, for the opportunity to share about you. We pray, God, that you would work and will through everything that's said here, through what we've sung, through what we've done together here. May it all be pleasing to you. And God, when we leave this place today, may we be changed people in any way you choose to do it. For we pray these things in the strong name of your Son. Amen. Um, one of the things I do in my time is I volunteer for a conference, a leadership conference. It's a conference that happens up in Black Mountain, North Carolina. It's a a small 48-hour conference from Wednesday to a Friday, and they had asked me several years ago to come speak there and and lead their spiritual renewal program. It's kind of, it's not necessarily Christian-based, but but it does have a Christian focus, because a lot of secular companies don't like to come to to conferences that are Christian-based. So it's a great way for a secular company to come, but if someone is Christian and wants to grow through, through um, spiritual renewal that way, that's what I do. And so there's two or three sessions that happen there, and about three or four years ago they asked me to do it, and they asked me if I would come back. And at the time they asked me to come back, they said, hey, would you mind being on the board and helping us lead this thing? I said, sure, man, let's do it. So that's, what, that's one of the things I do, and it's a lot of fun to do it. It happens in October. It's a great thing. Well, the reason I said yes was because I love leadership conferences. It's one of the things I love to do. I had a history in the past where when I was in school, I spent a year going to leadership conferences, did two or three of them a month. John Maxwell, Franklin Covey, um, church leadership conferences, Bill Hybels conference, all these different conferences from around the country and the world we went to. And we looked at all these different things. And we loved it because it was fun on learning how to get better learning how to be the best person you could be. There was one thing I noticed that was a common thread with all these leaders. All these leaders. When they would tell their story on leadership and they start talking about all these principles, one of the things they would always bring up was that they said, before I became a great leader, I had to learn first how to be an even greater follower. I'm a leader now because how I was able to follow earlier, and it just dawned on me, I wrote it down, and it's something that I've remembered. To be a great leader, you have to first become an even greater follower, and that was key for me in understanding what leadership is, especially where God is concerned, especially where God is concerned, because everybody leads somebody. One of the things that sticks out to me was the first day of class that we had. We were all sitting there, we were all wet behind the ears, first day of class, getting to know each other, and this professor comes in. His name's Dale Galloway. He just happened to be the pastor of a 6,000-member church in New Hope Community Church in Portland, Oregon. 95% of the people were in small group discipleship out of 6,000 people involved in the church. 95% incredible for us young pastors and up-and-coming ministry folks we were like whoa this guy's a giant you know and and he comes in there and says good morning everyone how are y'all we said we're fine we're all real nervous you know and all of a sudden he says okay first day of class I want everyone to stand up we went okay so we all stood up and you know what he did he said okay I'm standing around I want everyone to get behind me and then we all going okay and so we all get behind him you know and he starts walking through the school he went up into the chapel and he said now i want you to follow me and we all just started following him we went into middle of classrooms where people were having school we went into the secretary's office by his secretary who knew this because he did it every year with the first day of students and she's going hi guys with that smile on her face like she does here's another group of guys following the team hi guys we are all going hey how are we're all nervous you could hear our squeaky preacher shoes going down the hallway. You know those shoes that you wear back then? This was a long time ago. We don't wear them now, but back then, okay? And, and, and we're going through all these halls and stuff. And then he comes back around and we go back in the classroom. We're all breaking a sweat going up and down stairs because some of us are out of weight, out of, out of shape and everything. We get in that room and we sit in there and we're all sweating. And he says, okay, now this is principle one. This is where we're going to begin and this is where we're going to end. If you want to be a great leader, you've got to learn how to be a follower especially of God. If you're going to be a leader for God, you've got to learn how to be a follower of God. It's something that I've never forgotten and something that in my life I've strived to do. And in all the music we've sung here this morning and even in the, the video clip we saw, you can see in that people who strive to follow God but then fall away and wonder. And then they come back and they fall away and wonder. Your love never fails. It goes on and on and on and on and on even though we may fail with our flesh sometimes. He's always there. It's a cool thing when you think about it. Do you remember that show on CBS? It's still on. It was renewed for a sixth season this March called Undercover Boss. You all know that show? It's one of the highest rated shows at CBS, believe it or not. You know, the crux is about the boss who comes in and he learns about the company because he's gotten so high up the ladder, he's forgotten what it means to be on the bottom rung on what's going on there. That's the whole purpose of that show it's helping people see leadership he's come back down to learn it started out in the UK and Canada all these other countries had a show like that and believe it or not Domino's Pizza was one of the companies that they started with this show the guy and that's why if you notice Domino's had this big remake with pizza and all this stuff because the boss goes down to the level of the employees says wow this is what it means to follow and he was able to improve his business because of it to be a great leader you have to be a great follower now the concept of this leadership, and everything we're talking about this morning, happened with the disciples. This is the part of me looking at this life with the disciples differently this year. It's been a year process than ever before. Here is Jesus, he's coming up, and, and you know this story. There are two forms of it, one in Luke and one in Matthew, and I'm talking the Luke story, but the end of it, I like what Matthew, how Matthew interpreted it. Here, here the guys are, they're doing their thing. They're fishing, right? And Jesus comes up to him, and it says the multitudes were crowding in on him. They're all over him. And, and, and here's Jesus teaching, and he's got these boats here. And so all of a sudden he asks permission. He says, Hey, guys, do you mind if I get on your boat and teach? And said, No problem with us, Jesus. You go right ahead. So Jesus gets on the boat, and they're cleaning their nets. They're just busy doing their thing. They're cleaning their nets. They're doing their thing, okay? And then, as Jesus is teaching, they're listening, but they're not acting like they're listening. And Jesus says, when he gets a break or it finishes up, he looks over and says, Hey, guys, why don't you throw your nets on the other side of the boat? And Peter, which we know will be the st- Simon at that point, which we know is the strong-headed one, says, Look, teacher, you're the teacher. We're fishermen. You go on doing your teaching. We'll go on doing our fishing, okay? And, and we'll ne- never the two shall meet, you know? But then he pauses. And something inside of him says, "Okay, nevertheless, I will do what you've asked me to do. So he takes the net and he casts it over to the other side. And he comes up with more fish in that net. He's got to call the companions from the other boat to come and get that net in. And he can't believe it. Now, if you can recreate this with me, he throws the net, all those fish come in, And this is a Jeff Heath paraphrase here, but I wonder if the reason they had to call those companions to get the the fish out of the the net back into the boat is because Peter, Simon at that point, stands up and he's like. Because he had just told Jesus, I'm a fisherman, you're a teacher. And yet he caught more fish and they hadn't caught anything all night long. It wakes Simon up and he's like. And I love what my, my translation says. Oh, I love this. He says this. When Simon Peter saw what had happened, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, depart from me, because I'm a simple guy for what I just told you. Just, just get out of my face. I can't even be in your glory right now because of what happened. Because um, um, it says, I am a simple man, O Lord. And then here's what verse 9 says. For amazement had seized him, had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken from what Jesus had told him now what is the buzzword of this world today the word what amazed I am amazed girl comes home after meeting a guy he's amazing you see this scene on the movie that was amazing you know that is the buzzword yet I think it came from the Bible for amazement had seized Simon. The start of the word amazement. The start of the word amazing. You see? This morning, I want to look at how do we play follow the leader. I want to look at it taking this story right here. And taking this first encounter. Because Jesus says to these disciples, at that point, Jesus says, hey look. Relax. Don't be afraid. Because from now on, I am going to make you Fishers of people now, would you say that with me? I am going from now on say from now on I am going to make you Fishers of people There is nothing more remarkable in the whole Bible than that statement right there because that was the beginning of a ministry that changed lives all around the world including us sitting here today that statement From now on, I am going to make you fishers of people. And the scripture says that they left everything immediately, and they followed him. And they followed him. Now, this morning, there are three simple phrases that I invite you to write down on your program there. You can write anything else you want to on there if you want to. But particularly these three phrases that I want you to write down, okay? We're gonna walk through them together very specifically, all these um, slides. The first one I want you to write down is everyday decision. If you wanna be a great leader, you have to be a greater follower. And to do that, it is an everyday decision. Now, when we read the Bible, we read the disciples, we read what's going on in their life and everything that's happening. It dawned on me this past year. You know, these guys could have said no at any point of their walk with God. They could have said no when times got hard. They could have said, you know, God, Jesus, this really isn't isn't what I thought it was. I didn't sign up for this. I think I'm going to leave now. But they didn't. When they saw all the miracles and all the things taking place, they said, you know, God, this is fantastic. But, you know, now that things are great, I I think I'll probably just kind of back out now. Because, you know, this really isn't my cup of tea. But they didn't. They stayed with him. But I tell you, in the scriptures, it does say that some of the disciples, some other disciples, people that were following Jesus, did not stay with him. That they fell away and decided not to follow him. But these 12 made the everyday decision to follow Jesus. Now, can I tell you something? That's very simple. And we hear it all the time. But it's the everyday part that I'm talking about and for me personally I have that moment when I'm shaving in the morning when I'm sitting there and looking in the mirror and I'm shaving I'm saying okay Heath what's it going to be today are you going to be a Christ follower today or are you going to be a Jeff follower you know are you going to follow yourself or are you going to follow God every day when I shave I think about that I'm looking in the mirror what kind of person are you going to be do you have those times because you see personally let me say something personally here I have two sets of times that I feel like that we um, consummate this whole Christian walk that we have. The first time is when we first give Christ our heart and we say, God, you got my heart. I love you. I remember the first time I did that, Camp Lee, 1978, August, sitting there saying, God, okay, I'll give you a try. I'll let you in my heart. I'll let you fill that void. Now, do some awesome things in my life. That's a very starry-eyed kid, right? Do some awesome things in my life, God, you know? But then there's another time where you come face-to-face on whether you're, an, you're a Christian, but are you a Christ follower? Are you actually following him? And that, that involves the mind. It's not just a heart, but it's also a mind where both of them meet together. And you say, yes, I am today going to follow Christ with my life. I'm going to do it with my life. This is it, both days. i tell you, um, one of the things that stuck out to me was I have four kids, and um, this, this was not when I had four kids. I had um, three kids at the time. And Kelly, um, we don't get away from our kids that much. We don't take trips and stuff like that away from our kids that much. We, we take a night or two here, but we've never really gone on long trips until this past year. But I had three kids. I had little Eli... And I had um, Sarah, and I had Abby, and they were all young. Eli was like uh, uh, maybe two or three. Um, actually, maybe one or two is what he was. And, um, and Abby was, I think, um, what was she, four, and Sarah was six. And, and Kelly had left and left me with them, OK? And I, um, and I was thinking to myself, how can I, did I get that right? How did I get, uh, anyway, we're out in the backyard playing. And I'm going, OK, how can I occupy the time with these three kids? Good, you know, I'm sitting here going, OK, we can play soccer. We can uh, watch a movie. We can um, color chalk. We can um, play Play-Doh. I mean, I had this long list of what I could do with the kids. So I was, during, I was having soccer time. Okay, kids, soccer time. So we go in the backyard and start playing soccer. So it's me and Eli, my boy Eli and I, versus the two girls. And we're playing. And, and the girls are really, they've been in soccer. They were playing, having a good time. Eli had never been in soccer, okay? And so he's over there looking at me, and it was going to be the girls against us. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, I'm going, okay, Eli, we've got to start getting ready. Because I was ready for the two girls coming on the soccer ball. And I was scratching the ground as I was doing All of a sudden, he started scratching the ground. He was doing it, looking at me, doing it just like this. Okay, man, let's do it. And I had the biggest uh-huh moment about my weight of being a father with my kids. I couldn't believe it. The influence that I had on my kids. The soccer ball went right by us when the girls started playing. Come on, Dad! And I was sitting there going, oh, my kids acting like me, you know, I was like, <laughs> I couldn't believe it, you know. And the weight of me being a dad was like, <gasps> Kelly comes home and I go, I'm a dad. And she said, "You took you that long to figure it out, honey? I mean, <laughs> you know, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. The influence that we have. When I look in that mirror and I say, what am I going to do? Am I going to follow Jeff? Or am I going to follow God? Am I going to, am I making that decision? Things like that. It's a no-brainer because of the influence. Because of the influence. It's a a cool thing. Um, It is something that people all throughout Scripture have fought with. Have fought with. I've got a great Scripture for you here. Um, Look at it with me. It's in Colossians. There it is. Since then, you've been raised with Christ. This is you, post-Christian. Now he says, set your hearts on things above where Christ is notice he's saying you set your hearts on the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and <laughs> so cool then he says not just your heart set your mind on things above not on earthly things for you died your life is now hidden with Christ in God when Christ who is your life appears then you also in your um then you also will appear with him in glory but it's a it's an act we do we set our heart and we set our mind both of them you see everyday decision the hearts easy but the mind that's the tough part in fact I don't have a slide for this but it's very interesting even Paul earlier Keith did this series on Romans 8 well in Romans 7 this is the worst scripture I've ever read in my life I don't ever read it I try to stay away from it because it is so confusing and I'm a simple guy and I just here's Romans 7 here's Paul talking about this struggle on everyday decisions for I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. You see why I don't read that much? Because it's, it is a combination of his struggles of the everyday decision of saying, God, my flesh is weak, but you are strong so I make my decision and he's saying I fight I I don't want to do the decision but I've got to you see it's a fight it's an everyday decision I was writing this very message and while I was doing it my little boy came in to see me let me show you a picture of my little boy I think it's right here is this my boy right here there he is that's my little boy Noah that's him exactly doing exactly that he came in and held the ball like that and said Daddy, come on, let's go play some football. I said, but I can't do it. Um, I've got to finish writing. He said, when you finish writing that, can you come play? And I said, yeah, I'll be glad to. I'll go out there and throw it with you. We'll play some football. He said, he said no, Daddy. He said, I don't want you just to throw and play football with me. He says, I want you to put the, the uniform on. I want you to, I want, it's got to be the white uniform, and it's got to match mine, and we've got to go out there, and we've got to play football. And he did, just like that. And at that moment, the Lord said, that's an illustration. I said, freeze right there, Noah. he said, why? I said, just freeze. I said, smile. And he took a picture. And that's exactly what happened a moment in time. Because that's what God is saying. Don't go out there and just throw the football with me every single day. Wear it. Dress like me. Heart and mind. Everything. I want the full shebang. Everything. Okay? Second thing I want you to write down. Expect the unexpected. Okay? Now, I wanna, th- this is where it gets a little bit deeper, all right? Cool things for me about living in a home with six people and four kids, besides the fact that it's a human zoo and you're allowed to feed the animals at my house, we fully <laughs> printed that, is the fact that I love to, 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 to um, give them unexpected surprises. I'm one of those guys at Christmas that loves to see when they were real young the surprise of Christmas when they come down. OK, I'm one of the guys that when I'm by myself with the kids, I'm taking them out to dinner. There's always clues. I don't want them to know where we're going. And they got to figure it out while we're driving down the road. And, and they figure it all out. And as we get closer, IHOP was the hardest one, by the way. <laughs> it was the hardest one. I'll tell you about that after the surgery. You want to know. But it was a lot of fun. Well, well we, we take vacations. And because we've got a lot of kids, where do you think we go on vacation? Or It's in Florida. That's it, the kid capital of the world. So we, we, we honeymoon there, we take our kids there and everything. We're, we're kind of Disney people. Well, let me tell you what happened. As they get older, you can't surprise them anymore with a trip to Disney World because once you hit 75 South, they know exactly where you're going. I mean, once they hit the farm line, they know it, you know. And so I, I got with Kelly earlier this year, our vacation time. We do it in the off season. And, and I got with Kelly, I said, you know, we got to do something, man. This, Sarah's 12, we got to do something. So we thought this grand scheme up. And it's one of my greatest grand schemes, by the way, and I don't think it'll be topped ever in my lifetime. But um, if I can say so and be so prideful on that, Um, but let me tell you what happened. I work down in Florida. I have to go down there and do some things, and I want them to see what I do. So I thought, what a great idea. We'll tell them we're going to take you to Florida, you're going to see what I do for a living, and we'll take them to a surprise trip to Disney World, and they won't even know it. So that's what we did. We, we told them, you're going to go on a work trip with me because I had to go anyway, and we're going to stay at a couple of hotels. You get to swim in the pool and do some other fun things that's around the hotel probably, you know, but it's going to be a work trip that I'm doing, you know what I mean? And they're like, okay, great. So they get in the car and we're going, and they're all excited about the pools at the hotels. Meanwhile, I had booked, because it was our vacation, and I had booked one of the Disney resorts there, the Wilderness Lodge. I had a pool there big old fancy pool and then and then a couple of days later I booked um, the Beach Club because they were the same price they were running these things, and so and so I booked that one for a couple of days for our vacation and that even had a bigger pool and everything and so we go and we we go, drive down the Florida they're thinking it's a Florida trip no big deal we stop by and I do my work and they're watching me I'm taking pictures doing all the things I've got to do and they're going well what about the hotel and I said well it's coming up we're, we're going there you know I got a couple of stops I make a couple of stops keep on going I put a movie on, we get to the Florida Turnpike, and they start watching the movie. I get to, the, get, get to um, the back entrance of Disney, while they're so engulfed in that movie, and all of a sudden, I was trying to hide, and the back, and the back um, entrance was the college they have there called the Disney Institute, so Disney was on every building. I'm going, oh my gosh, how can I hide this from the kids, but they're glued to the movie. Finally little Noah, the picture you saw? He's sitting there with his thumb in his mouth and his bun-bun. He's sitting there watching the movie, and he looks over and sees the monorail going over the thing. And he says, hey, look at that funny train flying over the car, you know? And then there's Space Mountain to the left. Nobody even moves. They're watching the movie. So we swing around the back way to the entrance of the Willow's Lodge, and finally Abby, my other wildflower child, she kind of says, train over the car. And she kind of looks out and she sees the entrance to the wilderness lodge. And she says, hey, that, that looks like the entrance to the wilderness lodge. You know? And Eli looks over there and Noah looks over there. And Noah's going, Eli, wilderness, what? You know? And, but but and, and Sarah goes, oh my gosh. And it, it was total pandemonium. They totally unexpected what was going on. Chaos in the car. Chaos. We get to the front desk, the ladies there checking us in. Now this is why I'm saying this to you. Everybody sees unexpected things differently. We react differently. And that's what's the cool thing about my kids. I can see how they react. Sarah is my oldest, and she does not like to have anything unscripted. So they're putting that magic thing on their wrist that they had those magic bands, and she's like this. And the woman says, here, hon, let me put this on. And Sarah's going, I don't believe we're at Disney World. I, I, I just don't believe we're at Disney World. I, I just don't believe we're at Disney World. She kept saying that over and over again. Abby's like, whoa, where's the room? I mean, she was like, you know what I mean? Eli was the same way. He had found the, the, the cartoon showing, and he was just glued there. Noah, as long as his thumb was in his mouth, he's happy. He's just going with the, going with the flow the whole time, okay? All right. They, for, for the next couple of days, even the next morning, my oldest one was saying, I can't believe we're at Disney World. When you walk with God, I'm not talking about a Disney World ride. I'm talking about what happens in your life when things happen that are unexpected. Because, because God, when you walk with God, you have to expect the unexpected. Things are going to happen that you don't expect happen. Things are going to take place that you're not prepared for. Things are going to take place that you are prepared for. It, it's, 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 it is an e-ticket ride from Disney World. When when things go wrong that are unexpected and we go through the, the stages of grief and the things that we struggle with during those times, the unexpected thing is not just what may have happened that was bad, but the other unexpected thing with walking with God is how his hand comes up and holds you through it. How the peace comes in the midst of the struggle. That's the unexpected thing that God brings with his presence and his power. The great stuff, it's easy to celebrate with God. But the unexpected things are the things that we struggled with, that we see God there, you see. We have to expect the unexpected. This past week I had a phone call on a guy that uh, I knew as a kid. And he was struggling because he had a good friend who lost a baby. All of a sudden, they were really tight, and he was asking a lot of questions. And I just mentioned to him, I said, hey, look, I said, you know, I said, God is with you. He's with you in that I don't have any simple answers for it. But I can tell you this. God is with you. And I said, I said, I can tell you loved your friend. I can tell you loved that family. And I said, the biggest thing you could do is don't let the loss go to waste. Let the loss be something that God uses with you as he comforts you guys to stay strong. And he said, you know something? He said, I am going to do that. He said, you know, I have been away from the faith. I've been away from walking with God. I mean, I've always known I was a Christian, but in terms of getting serious, and he said, that is what I'm gonna do. Use it as an opportunity to draw myself closer to him and to feel his presence during this time and to help my friend do that too. You see, it's dealing with the unexpected in ways that are that are awesome, that are awesome. Our, our issue with the expect the unexpected is simply this. If we're human, a lot of us, and I know you've probably seen this before. I don't know, you may not have. Do y'all have a God box? We all have God boxes, don't we? And the problem is, is that all of a sudden it starts knocking because God wants to work outside the box. And we're human and he makes us naturally that way. If we pasteurize it, homogenize it, systematize it, that's what we want to do with God, but God doesn't want us to do that. God operates outside the box. Outside the box. He was with the disciples, Jesus was. You remember this, Jesus was teaching, it was getting late, and then all of a sudden they realized, hey, these folks are hungry. What are we going to do, Jesus? They're coming up. They want food. Jesus says, you feed them. We feed them. There's no McDonald's. What are we going to do? He didn't know what to do. And remember the little kid that comes up with the lunch? He overhears. And Philip says, hey, I got a kid here with lunch. And it was just a lunch for a family. And Jesus said, that's enough. Have them all seated. And Jesus, we miss this, he blesses the meal. And after he blesses that sack of lunch, The Golden Corral restaurant was birthed during that day. Because there was more food, it would make those folks jealous who started that restaurant. Because God met a need in a way that blew everybody's mind. They couldn't believe God working in a situation like that. You remember another common story. Guys are out on a boat in the middle of the lake. Jesus needs to meet them. But no, let's don't wait for the boat to come to shore. Why don't we just walk out to the boat and meet them out there? So Jesus walks out there on the water, out to where they are. An unexpected thing for the disciples, and they're going, "Whoa! You could have waited till the boat came, but that's great. Come on, remember that." And Jesus is demonstrating the power of the unexpected life with God, because it's the way God works. Um, write down with me here. Actually, um, let's go to the third point, the last thing. Okay. It's an everyday decision, okay? It's expecting the unexpected. And the last thing is, God begins with the end in mind. That's what he does. When we say yes, we, we want to follow you. I love it says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You will become fishers of men. Will make, become. It's a process that happens, you see. And God already knows where you're going to be. And he's taking you down this process called life. And everything that's happening, he is processing to have you right where he wants you to be. The good things that happen in your life, the bad things that happen in your life, everything, God, is working. Not being the cause, but just being the great worker in what's happening to get you right where he wants you to be. It is really a powerful thing. I love what the old prophet Jeremiah says. You know, he's trying to get the people to understand God and to follow God. He tells them about going down to this potter's house, okay? And, And he's using the pot and the clay as this illustration saying, hey, look, he says, the potter has this clay, and the potter's molding it and making it and making it just what he wants it to be. And oh, what he wants for you in the same way. And the scripture is so powerful. Look at that scripture I got there. The last part is, behold, just like the clay that's in the potter's hand, molding and making it, so are you. So are you in my hand. We are. We are in his hand. And everything in life is slowly molding and making it. We were thinking about this this past week. It's amazing. We, we've got a, a family member that that is like a grandma to my kids. Known her for well over 20 years. And, we were just talking because um, she had recently gotten back from the Dominican Republic, working in a mission over there, and it's amazing. I love to use her in illustrations because she's such a Christ follower, and it's fun to see these things. Her name is Rhonda. She's like a grandma to the kids, and I've known her forever. She started out as a school teacher. She was an awesome school teacher, and she did that forever and ever and ever and ever. Her her timeline. And then I happened to meet her at a church I was serving at. And she got into the choir, got in the music group, and I was, I was actually doing the worship at that time. And got to know her, she and her husband, and we became really close friends. My wife, my future wife, became really close too, and she became like, they became like family to us. But, but at the time, her husband got transferred to Orlando. They got real involved in our church. So she goes to Orlando and gets involved in a huge church down there, working and, and just doing things while she's teaching down there. She retires from teaching, stays in the church working and volunteering, feels the call to ministry. She goes to Asbury Seminary there at the Florida campus to get her Christian ed degree, and she, she goes to school there. And here she is, a retirement age of a school teacher here now, okay? And, she, and, she is, and she's going back to school, and she discovers missions being a, a major part of her life. She go, at the church she was working at, she became the missions pastor there, taking all these mission trips and leading the whole mission ministry there. She goes down there one day and they're on this, this other kind of mission trip and they notice this woman that's there named Jackie who is going to dumps and places and finding kids and bringing them back to her house where she lives and trying to raise them to, to, to help them have a home. And thus began an orphanage called Jackie's house in the Dominican Republic that became the heart of who Rhonda is. She comes back to the church in Orlando and she's doing all these other ministry things and mission things because she's the mission person there. And she keeps going back and forming this relationship with Jackie. She reti- Her husband retires officially from Orlando. They move up here to Columbus area, Columbus, Georgia, to be closer to us because our families are real tight. And her connection with Jackie's house only got stronger. And now that is her life call to help Jackie's house. So she's going down there now just to help Jackie's house. That's growing and and with kids and an orphanage deal. And you look at that timeline from the time she began as a school teacher all the way to where she is today. It's a perfect example of what God does in our life. When we say every day I want to follow you, every day I want to make that decision I want to follow you and not not just do it with my heart, do it with my mind. And I want to expect the unexpected from you. I want you out of the box. So that, so that how I deal with things, like my kids deal with things different ways, we all do, that you'll go beyond that with me, God, and help me. See? Through the good and the bad. All the way to the end today. That God had the end in mind. Do you think that Rhonda was ready for Jackie's house when she was teaching school? But Jackie's was ready for Rhonda, and Rhonda was ready at the time, you see? Perfect timing. Because God's timing is perfect. And God's plan is perfect. It's an awesome thing. It really is. When you follow God, let me encourage you this morning. Every single day, find a time to say, God, today's the day I'm following you. I'm not just feeling you in my heart, but I'm following you with my mind and my feet. God, I expect the unexpected with you. Do big things. Think outside the box with me. Stretch me, so that when you call me to something, and my first response is, "Ooh, I don't know if I really got it. That's really what I wanted to." That that I will have the power to say, "Yes, God, I will follow you," just like the disciples did. And know that God always begins, like with those disciples with the end in mind follow me I will make you fishers of men see let's pray together God we love you thank you so much for all that you've done in our life thank you God for all the many ways that you have worked outside the box in our families personally and this morning God as we come to you give us the strength to not just feel you with our heart but to walk with you with our very life prepare us for the unexpected things in life and God we trust the end because we know you've got it in your hands to put us right where you want us to be. Thank you, God, for all you're doing. We pray in your name.